You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. So y'all guys were out like last night enjoying good food and I was being the dutiful aunt watching the munchkins and Mm -hmm. your oldest daughter kept bringing me the pink ukulele and was explaining to me over and over again how bad it sounded Mm -hmm. and she wanted me to tune it for her and you could see the, the total lack of comprehension in her head that I was unable to do such a feat. Well, if you should be able to, that's a, that's a life school everyone knows because all the adults she lives with know how to tune a ukulele. That's part of growing up with musician parents, I guess. Well, I always, you know, I, I've always maintained that, you know, you and Mickey kind of have this August Rush thing going on and the kids, both of them, they, they are musically inclined and they seem to they have are. a yeah. sense of natural rhythm and pitch and tone and what have you. And, and I know I just lost magic ant status like <laughs> last night because surely I should be able to do this. And I had worked hard for that status. Yeah. Because I mean, the listeners, I don't think I told them like over the summer we had, uh, had the kids, all the nieces and nephews together and, and your oldest woke up and she, uh, I asked her what she wanted for breakfast or ask her what would make her happy. And she said a popsicle. And this is like seven o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, go, <laughs> go get you a popsicle. And she comes out, she's eating it. And I ask if she's happy and she says, no. And I said, well, how many would make you happy? And she said, 15. <laughs> and being the wonderful aunt that I am, she ate 15 popsicles. I had to go to town and get more popsicles. So now I've got to figure out some way to reclaim this. Yeah. That may not require 15 popsicles. Let's not, yeah, let's not do that again. <laughs> because they, they do come back from errands and they're, they're a little bit like confused uh, about why they can't just eat candy all day. We found out that your oldest can put five suckers in her mouth at one time. And we were sh- rooting for her to get the sixth one in. It, it just wasn't happening. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's summer. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do crazy stuff like that. But but back to the ukuleles. Um, a couple of years ago, the oldest one said she wanted one for her birthday. And we had done some research on different ukuleles, like durability, and, you know, because we wanted something that was going to be durable. We didn't just get a, mm-hmm. to get a wood one. Um, but we found... Uh, Kala brand ukuleles makes a, a line called the Waterman and they're great because they, they're made of plastic, but they actually sound okay, but they're made for taking to the beach. Oh, cool. And um, I know that was the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So they're made for taking to the beach. You can get water in them. They're really durable. Uh, I saw the youngest stand on hers the other day and I'm like, stop. But I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's still, it's, it's survived. I mean, I don't recommend that, but I, I saw it happen. Well, and she was trying to stand on it like a pogo stick. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, she's, she's a funny kid. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that is kind of funny that she would, uh, that the older one would be confused. Like, does, doesn't everyone just know how to tune an instrument? Yeah. 
And I guess it was just the expression on her face and you could see all the wheels turning and it's, but you know, you're an Emmy, you can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because yeah. I, you know, got to work hard to maintain that image when you're the aunt and especially, you know, when you're trying to uh, kind of wreak a little havoc. Uh, so. Right. And I, get, I imagine because uh, she is seeing you a little more often because you're coming in to record so much, that's, that's probably even getting harder mm-hmm. to, to maintain it, that. <laughs> it is. It is. Because I actually had to put my foot down with the youngest one last night and go, you are going to bed. And right. She thought it was just fun times and, and games. And, yeah. you know, when your youngest one needs to go to sleep, she needs, needs to, to go, go to, to sleep. sleep. Yeah. So it, it was, you know, it was good. But and, and she and she she runs the gamut that one uh, when it's time for sleep. Sometimes it's like, I'm ready to go to bed. Put me in bed right now. Get no, get me to a bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she wants to go to sleep and then there's like she, then she has the other side where where she's insisting she's not sleepy but she is obviously very sleepy <laughs> yeah and she I mean she doesn't get bad or anything but you could just see it she was like totally glazed over like a like a donut she was just mm-hmm. glazed so but we we you know it was a good night and actually the oldest one she didn't give me any fits at all about going to bed normally it's been the other way around so uh, yeah, you guys are hitting that transition thing with the kids where the, things are so weird. The youngest ate a fruit the other day. <laughs> it was revolutionary. So that was interesting. So, but, yeah. but anyway, we should move on. I know no one wants to hear just talk about our children, about like hey, my at least children. I'm not rattling on about my dog. So we'll say that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but. We left off last week. We were talking about uh, the binding of Isaac, and we talked about how that really played off of uh, the Hagar and Ishmael story right before that. Mm-hmm. So we're in Genesis 22, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't go back and talk about how we as Christians have read it and the, the similarities, because this really is a type, and mm-hmm. we've discussed what a type is on a previous episode, but essentially go ahead yeah well i was gonna say and and we want to get into this say this one is actually type because we do have and i I can't think of any specific examples but i do know that there have been examples all over where you know not all over because i would have one but (laughs) i've seen a few examples of people going oh well this is this and this must represent jesus in this area and you're like no that one actually doesn't that you know you can you can read it kind of as a you know archetypal story if you want in some areas but you know there there's a oftentimes we we try to be really careful when we use the phrase type and mm-hmm. i think i've mentioned this before because there are so many people who want to put types in where they don't belong everywhere and 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 just want to draw these parallels where you're just like mm, no not that's not so much how it goes Balaam's so, donkey is a type of <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and so we really What's funny is we may actually get into that and find out it is, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I uh, just yeah, we, Balaam's we, donkey's a type of anything. That's us. <laughs> we struggle. We struggle to read Jesus back into every single Old Testament story that we know mm-hmm. um, to make it seem to make the be, the Bible seem more miraculous than it is. Um, that that's a whole nother tangent, but <laughs> you know we we do tend to try to oversell the Bible sometimes. I and I know that sounds really funny. No, but, but we, we do. We try to make it, you know, with and again, like we talked about stuff like the Bible code last week. You know, mm-hmm. people talk people try to find patterns that aren't there to make it seem like like it to make it seem like there was more that 
there's something should be more awe-inspiring than it already is. But if but the thing is, if you actually read the stories and how they do fit together, it becomes better than any bit of Bible code mumbo jumbo Ouija board type Bible application that you could think yes. of. Yes, and uh, and so yeah, the, it it is. It's the and you know the <laughs> I use the Ouija board analogy, but you know it's it it does kind of get like that when we start just putting things together. It's like oh well, how can we make it say what we want it? And and it it that's I'm sorry, I kind of have. No, it, I got a little out of hand. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, but no, but you're right. And but you also set off another train of thought because I know a lot of people. You said Ouija board and Bible in the same uh, <laughs> sentence. So you know, there's that whole idea. I've I've known people who've done this where you pick up your Bible and you just let let it fall open to any page, and whatever verse you find first is going to be God speaking. Yeah. To you. Yeah, and there's the old joke about the guy <laughs> say, "Oh, does that? Is that where you're going?" Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> He yeah. opens it up and it says Judah hung himself. Oh, Judas hung himself, and he's like, "Oh no, surely that—that's not the right verse." <laughs> so he tries it again, and it says, "Go and do likewise." And he tries it the third time, and it says, "What you must do, do quickly." And so, I mean, <laughs> there, there's this, there's a tendency, like you said, it's weird because. I don't think you can over-spiritualize the Bible, but maybe you can over-spiritualize it incorrectly and right. in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. And it just, that frustrates me whenever you start doing the misapplication and and I can't remember what it was. Oh, it just perpetuating myths about the Bible and things that you're just like, that's not correct. Well, you know, there's the whole thing going around on the internet, and I, I know the, the preacher who first popularized it, I actually have a lot of respect for some of the things he's done, but the idea that if you go through the names of the generations from Adam to Noah, mm -hmm. that this forms, the names form a sentence. Right. And, you know, it's a cool idea, because it sounds like a really great little sentence that would explain so much, and it just fits right in. And I actually went through all of those names. Every single one of them with every possible translation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what could this actually mean? Okay. So this is the main definition. Could it encompass that definition? And there were some of them. Yeah. They, they worked. Right. But there were some of them. It's like, mm, yeah, no, you can't get there from here. Right. And, 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 and trying to establish again, the patterns and the types that just aren't there. So I know that was a long way to get to where we're going, but that's, I yep. wanted to throw that out there and say, you know, when, when we, when we say that we we're doing everything we can to go, are we just trying to put new Testament theology on an old Testament story? And I, and I don't think we are in this case yeah. and based on not only what we think, because you know, what does that matter? But also on other, you know, peer reviewed longstanding traditions. Well, okay. And we can go back to the basis for this. So this is kind of the, what seals the deal for me is Romans eight thirty two. And Paul wrote Romans. And mm -hmm. if you ever want to know how to how how an Old Testament story or passage fits into the Christian religion, look at what the New Testament writers wrote right. about that passage. How did they use that passage? Well, it, and it's well, it's like the the saying, and I've heard this from you, I've heard this from other Bible teachers, is scripture interprets scripture. Mm -hmm. And again, if you wanna if you wanna know how, like you said, how would how in how the Bible wants us to think about itself, mm -hmm. look at what the Bible says about itself, and you look at what the, what the New Testament 
how it repurposes Old Testament material. Exactly. And that that's a lot of fun. And that might be actually something we could go into at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that that would be a really fun series to do. We would be we would have material from now until Jesus came. So um, because the New Testament. If we live that long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we are living in the end times, which is a whole other story. We could, well, we could go for days on that one too. So let's, uh, but let's, let's not. <laughs> but let's go for about another uh, forty-five minutes or so with what we plan today. How okay, about that? Fine. <laughs> okay. So Romans eight thirty-two. This is Paul. He's writing to the Roman Church, and he says, "He who did not withhold his son, but who gave him up for all of us." Now remember, Paul's time, he would not have been reading. Well, he would have read some of the the Hebrew because Paul was well trained, and th- so he had that background. But the primary Bible in use was the Septuagint, and that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And Septuagint, I don't know if we said this, but it it's, would be a good note for people. If you're doing Bible study and you come across uh, the abbreviation LXX, that's the Septuagint. So, and that's, that's Roman numerals for 70. Yes. Um, because it was, how did they get that? It was 70 different rabbis allegedly Mm-hmm. Worked on the translation separately, separately, and in seventy days, uh, came up with the exact same uh, word for word translation. This, this that, is the story. That's an apocryphal story. We don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be cool if it was true, but we we can't verify it. Right, and this actually, and just to kind of give a little bit of timeline when that would have happened. Uh, that happened under Ptolemy, who was Alexander the Great's um, general, one of you, the four generals that were divided. Yeah, uh, you did mention that on previous okay. shows. So yeah, there there is a, a tie-in definitely there. Uh, again, Bible not written in a vacuum, world events, world leaders, real people interacted with it. And, and God used these these people uh, to help shape history. So the, the Greek's the same. So we, ha- we do have that tie-in there. And uh, Paul kind of, I think he's being very, very intentional in, in choosing to use the same wording when describing Christ. Mm-hmm as what was used with Abraham and Isaac. And so, so... But you're saying that his wording came directly from the Septuagint? It's the or, same... It's not a direct quote. It's the same words, but it's not a direct quote. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like tying, tying things together with uh, uh, what have you done uh, with Pharaoh and God and, mm-hmm. you know, different stuff like that. So, yeah. No, I, got, I follow. Okay. So some of the things that, and I'm probably overlooking things, honestly, because I didn't take time to look at another uh, expert. Uh, I just uh, fell back on my own familiarity with the story. Um, Some of the things that tie it together. Number one, we got women who are unable to have children. Sarah's barren. Mary shouldn't be able to be pregnant because she's a virgin. So Mm -hmm. that's where we start the story with both of them. Uh, is with this infertility of the of Sarah and and uh, Mary's virginity, mm-hmm. and it, you'll notice also too when you as we continue through this becomes an ongoing pattern with all of the mothers of Judaism, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, all the popular ones. Yes, like well, the ones recorded in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> yeah, <let's>... not every <laughs> Jewish woman. That's I don't think there's any way to verify that. <laughs> Well, that's probably incorrect, but the the, the uh, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not positing that. Well, when Let's... we say fathers of Judaism, I think most people immediately go to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And so, when with when we say mothers of Judaism, then it's Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, and Leah. Mm-hmm. And so these these women, uh, particularly 
Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel all deal with infertility. Gotcha. And, yep. and this is huge because uh, the the primary belief was that God opened and closed the womb. So it wasn't the human action that was responsible for conception. It was literally a little organ recital going on here. Excuse me. Uh, it was. Hmm. Uh, uh, it was. She little... means she burped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, not really. It was more of a gurgle. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's spend enough time on that. Emily's bodily functions today on Faith and Other Oddities. Well, uh, we do have other oddities. So, um, so anyway. But it's believed that God's responsible for conception is what you're saying. Yeah. Regardless of who does what. Exactly. Oh, that's... <laughs> and Carry on. Mary kind of proves that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so if God chose not to give you a child as a woman, then what had you done? Right. What great sinful act had you committed that God deemed you not worthy of motherhood? And and then we have Mary who hasn't even uh, had sex and God, and then she's pregnant. Oh. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, bless her young among. And so does that, do you think that kind of feeds into the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I'll see if I can be delicate here. It kind of feeds into that uh, very uh, fundamentalist, type of uh belief that sex is bad blessed are you among women because you've got a child without even having to do the sexing you know it's <laughs> like you got you got to skip the worst thing humans ever have to do you know i i hadn't thought of it in that terms but i could see how even subliminally you know having that in the back of your mind it, and it's it's ridiculous because the bible is very sex positive uh, you know, that's the whole reason song is song. Well, it's very sex positive. It's very explicit, and, mm-hmm. and we're very repressed in 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 America the way we talk about sex in in, in the church specifically. But yeah, there is. I mean, there's the old joke the 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 two things you learn about sex growing up as a Southern Baptist is that it's horrible and awful and disgusting, but you should save it for someone you love, <laughs> and uh, or so you should save it for someone you love, and it and. But that's the message that we get, you know, it's, uh, you go to the true love weights rally. And I mean, I know that's not a technically a thing anymore. I don't think. No, we had to endure those, but but. yeah, we had to endure those. And you're just like, by the time you're done, you're just like, my body's terrible. And, but, but I just kind of wonder if like, you know, you know, we talk about the blessings, uh, you know, the, Mm -hmm. you know, here you have these women who are, we assume because it says they're barren, we assume they're engaging in non-productive, right? Sex, uh, but it's then you fine have, productive. Well, <laughs> pr- that produces a child. Okay, okay. That's they're unable to conceive <laughs> is probably the better way to say that. And then you have Mary, who you know was so blessed she didn't even and remained know a virgin that. for the rest of her life, uh, depending uh, on depending on the tradition. I, I don't believe that. I, I don't either. You know, I think was, was it Chris Rock in uh, in Dogma. It's like to believe, it's one thing to believe a, 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 you know, a virgin can give birth, but to believe a married couple never got it on, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I totally I, forgot about that part, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, we're not recommending dogma. We're just, there's some funny parts, there's some messed up stuff, but yeah. Yeah, we don't uh, recommend it necessarily. We just not, aren't saying we haven't watched it. it <laughs> but I mean, that's a great... Funny line. So anyway, carry on. Yeah. And so um, 
wow, now I'm like off on that little tangent. Um, both Jesus and Isaac are considered to be sons of God. We talked about that mm-hmm. before. You know, there's no mention of Abraham and Sarah having sex before the conception of Isaac. Sure. As opposed to the, that's explicitly spelled out with uh, Abraham and Hagar before the conception of Ishmael. Uh, Abraham never blesses Isaac. Mm-hmm. And so there is this this idea, and and I don't think in Jewish tradition, I don't think it was literally, read literally, but I think it was metaphorically accepted that because Isaac's birth was so supernatural, I mean, Sarah was 90 when he was born. Right. Um, you know, I have friends today who have had kids in their late 30s, early 40s, and I just, man, I pray for them. Uh, I had my kids in my 20s and they wore me out. So uh, to be a mother at that age, wow. That's yeah. beyond just the, the pregnancy side of things. But well, just, she had plenty of staff to help her out, though. So, you know, there was. This is true. And so both both Isaac and Jesus were born to be a blessing to the nations. Sure. They, they, they were not um, supposed to be just uh, blessed, the, receive blessings themselves, even though that's part of the, the promise to Isaac. But that blessing was supposed to extend out. Right. You, and you mean you, like blessings received by just the parents, but it was supposed to be for someone else. And then you, then, and then you, do, you have that, uh, then you have that kind of mirrored in uh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. as well uh i know you you kind of i know we'll we'll get to that full story eventually but you do have that you know woman uh, dealing with fertility issues praying and praying and praying and then there's the miraculous son the mm-hmm. blessing and he is to go out into all the world well or, and, not into all the world but to take care of israel I guess. right yeah well and he 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 becomes the one that that puts israel back on course uh, and mm-hmm. really is responsible for that and we'll talk about ways that, that happens we have it again with Samson. And I can't, I can't wait to get into that stuff. That's, that's, that stuff's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, we got to go through judges before we can get there. Uh, that's <laughs> going to be even more fun. Yeah. So I, this, is, this is good, and I enjoy this. And I think you've got to know Genesis before you can understand the significance, because how do you talk about Samuel if you don't know about Isaac? Mm-hmm. And so it, it really becomes, uh, with Jesus and Isaac, it, it is about, geography it is about uh, even beyond the bounds of canaan in spe- in particular that you're gonna be a blessing to the nations isaac not so much but we see this carried forth in his descendants particularly jesus right that now now the blessing isn't simply for one area alone it, it, it goes beyond that so yeah that's that's fun and and then um there is the 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 language now, we can't do a word-for-word equivalency here like a lot of people want to make it. Uh, Abraham's, you know, God tells Abraham to take the son that he loves. Mm-hmm. And then we have at Jesus' baptism, this the is, beloved. This is my son with whom I, whom I love, with whom I'm mm-hmm. well pleased. Yeah, so people see kind of a reflection in there. And, and I know people who have thrown it out because it's not necessarily a, a one-to-one equivalency, but I think the idea is still there. Sure. And so, well, and, I, you, and you got two different languages going on, maybe. Yeah. Who know? Well, maybe. Who knows what did what language was God speaking? <laughs> right, because he could have been speaking. Uh, he could have been speaking Swahili, and the people <laughs> still would have understood it through. You know, we know that miraculous hearing happens. Uh, Acts two. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> okay. That was universal ridiculous. basic. So I know. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's ridiculous. Yeah, sorry. That, I'm, I was joking with my question. I, I, was, I know you were, but I. But but that's the thing. We can. 
seriously, that that's one of the things that fascinates me about God. When we talk about the nature of God, we can take it to the ridiculous, and right. He's still capable in the ridiculous. Uh, and you know, He very rarely does it. Which, by the way, uh, little sidebar here. A lot of times when you're reading, if anybody ever reads like the Talmud and you start talking uh, the the rabbinic discussions, um, they will take an argument to the most absurd extreme mm-hmm. and then work back to practical application. Right. And, and so a lot of times when people read like a section out of the Talmud and these discussions, they're like, oh, can you believe they said that? And, and <laughs> so you have to go, did you read the entire dialogue? Or did you just pull out the part that that freaked you out and want to camp out there? And so, and seriously, there's a website. I don't even give the website's name. There's a website that is against the Talmud so completely. And that's all they do is they pull out one little line and go, oh, well, you shouldn't read the Talmud because it says this or it says that. And and that really is the way that the the rabbis worked was that, that total ridiculous extreme and then extrapolate back. And so I like doing that. And the thing is, we've always liked doing that, even before... Even before we've stumbled on the rabbinic traditions. And and what, yeah, and, and in the church, we tend to kind of do the opposite. We don't take the thought to the ridiculous extreme, but then our application is... <laughs> I, what? I guess, who, who knows where it is half the time? So uh, Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a parking space next to the door. He may have. And I'm not denying they could, but you know, if that's the biggest expression of God in your life, you aren't living big enough. Um, so carrying on, let's, yeah, (laughs) let's not get on, let's not get on that. Uh, send the letters to Emily Dixon, (laughs) Raven Creek, SC at gmail.com. So anyhow, I am, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm formulating like possible emails I might be getting. Uh, don't don't think about there. that right now. Yeah. So both carry, they both carry the wood of their, the wood that's supposed to be their demise. Mm-hmm. They both carry it on their backs. And sure. Jesus carries the cross. Isaac's got the firewood. That one's pretty simple. The donkey shows up in both stories. Uh, we have the donkey. Uh, yeah, they arrive on the donkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, you know, the triumphal entry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah. and the donkey actually, what most people don't realize is that's not like this lowly, a symbol of oh look how humble he is to ride an unbroken donkey was actually a sign of nobility well and, there's there's that and there was also and i don't know if this is true we should i should have asked you about this and or maybe i should have done some research on my own but i i have heard that if a king was coming into a town on a donkey it was it was peace it was saying he was coming in peace mm. um and if he comes on a horse it was who's coming for war I don't know if I've ever actually studied that in particular, but that makes sense. Yeah. Because the war horse has a lot of baggage and, and symbolism. Mm-hmm. So and, and, you know, if you're going to battle on a donkey, what are you doing? <laughs> you're <laughs> you Don Quixote. That's who you are. <laughs> need to get off the donkey and actually let the donkey fight beside you because it'd probably be more effective. Yeah, you're, you're taking on windmills. That's what you're doing. No. <laughs> I, st- but, I still want to, if anyone's out there and wants to help me write a screenplay, and I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I, I have wanted to do like a modern day Don Quixote, uh, like, like kind of Coen Brothers style. Now, I know nothing about filmmaking, so I don't know what it takes to do this, but where, you know, the Don Quixote is actually like working as an oversized load ex- 
escort for the windmill <laughs> company. Um, and it, it would have to be some kind of ridiculous tie in. Um, but that's, that, that's neither here nor there. So if anybody wants to write that with me, contact me, we'll, we'll write it and submit it. It'll be fun. So moving on, <laughs> uh, obviously they're both sacrificed on a hill and we kind of talked some, uh, and what, I think it was two episodes ago at this point, uh, cause they're starting to run together that the hill is in dispute. But, yeah, whether it's Golgotha or or uh, the Temple Mound. Yeah, and, and you know what? Either one works. Either, either yeah. The, the, but the, the fact that we could even uh, bring it back to that close, mm-hmm. I because there's some biblical stories that just because they happened in the same city was enough. We didn't have to have a specific location. Right. So uh, that that's important. Um, they both die and are resurrected. Now... Isaac obviously did not die. Right. But in order for Abraham to even be able to, to do that, uh, to try to follow through with that act, he, he was already dead in Abraham's mind in some ways. And so he had already, Abraham had made that mental break of giving up his son mm-hmm. to death, but then he's returned to him. Right. And so, we have that. There's the three day, um, three days in the tomb and the resurrection. So yeah, and, and the three day, the three day journey. Um, death of the sun results in supernatural sight. This is kind of a foreshadowing. We talked about. Well, we'll go back to Abraham first. He could see the ram behind him, mm-hmm. and now he he is knowing what knowing what God is thinking. He's seeing things from God's perspective. We as Christians receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us see things from God's perspective and begins to empower us to to move into alignment with God. So there's right. actually because there's a great big debate about you know if the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament, yada yada yada. Uh, okay, the Holy Spirit is co-eternal with God, and the Holy Spirit was doing something at this point in time, right? And so we, he wasn't just hanging out with God in heaven, going playing parcheesi. Well, you know, I guess if that's what you want to do to pass your time. Um, but no, I would assume that the Holy Spirit was doing things, you know, like helping prophets prophesy stuff like that, you know, Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. Holy Spirit stuff. And uh, we not stuffing Holy Spirit (laughs) stuff. And (laughs) okay. Sometimes my Oki comes out in really weird ways. Uh, Holy Holy Spirit stuff. I'm thinking like a whole new line of Thanksgiving products now. You know, I, I don't know where you'd get that. Was that what mana was? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so you, have to, you, have to, you have to make it with mana. Um, <laughs> but can we leave the celery out? Works for me. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, um, okay. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> after their death, both Isaac and Ishmael, uh, sorry, Isaac and Jesus, Got totally thrown off there. After their death or resurrection? After, well, after the resurrection, sorry. They disappear from the story. Okay. Because if you notice, when Abraham comes down off the mountain, it tells it says that Abraham comes down the mountain, he joins the two servants, and they go home. Isaac is never mentioned. Hmm. And matter of fact, we don't see Isaac again, and I think this is the coolest part of the whole story. 
We don't see Isaac again until he gets a bride. Now that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, because we we talk about the bride of Christ and that he he'll ascend. He's ascended. He's, he has ascended, and he will he will. Re- <laughs> I can't speak right now. Uh, he has ascended. He will return to take his bride. Now that's wow. Okay, that, that's an interesting parallel that I had never even thought to consider. Yeah, so that, that's, I, that's pretty amazing. When when I read that, that just kind of like blew my mind. I thought I thought it was pretty amazing, and so what we want to do now is we kind of. There's a couple of things that happen, and um, I, I want to take some time to go into to that. But then we're going to talk about Isaac and that bride and who she was. It, in the very next chapter, we have Sarah's death. Um, if you want to read some some just really amazing uh, speculation, and I've, I've chosen not to include it because it is all speculation. Uh, but Sarah's death at this point in time uh, is something that, that has bothered a lot of uh, biblical commentators. Uh, was it her grief? Was it her agony? Was she afraid that, that Isaac wasn't going to return? Or was she just so mad at Abraham she burst a blood vessel? I mean, Well, she was kind of old. She was. She, yeah, because at this point, um, you know, she, she's well, at least well over 103. Right. Uh, so we've got, we've got some things going on there. But when she dies, Abraham purchases a grave for her. Uh, and when he starts to purchase the grave, the, the people are like, hey, you know, you're a prince among us, you're nobility, and we're just going to give this to you. And Abraham refuses. He just completely says, that, no, I, I, I'm going to pay. And he paid like way above the market value, yeah. according to some people. This is important for two reasons. Number one, it's the first piece of land that Abraham has purchased that he's actually bought in Canaan. Right. So now he has legal claim to a specific spot. Um, and to purchase a, a place for a grave was actually to say, hey, we plan on being here for generations because you don't just put one person in these graves. You put multiple people in the graves. And, and after you put a body in and the flesh has been removed from, from the bones, then you actually go and you, you, you consolidate the bones so you can put the next person in. Right. And, and you just do this for generation and generation. So he's, he's, he's got a legal claim to land now. He also has, um, he's also saying, we're going to be here. Right. We're not going anywhere. As a family, we're not going anywhere. But by purchasing the grave specifically for Sarah in this land, Sarah's grave becomes the linchpin of this claim. Right. And this is the woman that he had had neglected and couldn't get a handle on who she was supposed to be in his life. And now he's forever uniting her destiny with this land. Hmm. And and it's a a kind of an interesting story. And it kind of, I think, shows his... um, shows how he's starting to get it and even more interesting well, when, it's about time i mean what about how by the time your wife dies you should figure out how important she is i think yeah well That's, or did it take her death to get him there i because sometimes you yeah. you don't know what you got till it's gone mm-hmm. so yeah that yeah that i mean i know that that does that is common yeah, uh, yeah unfortunately uh, i you know yeah, that's uh yeah. So yeah, Abraham's getting a clue. Abraham's Sorry. getting a clue, but um, 
then, you know, and Abraham, uh, okay, has Isaac, and Isaac has this guy named Jacob as a son, right? Jacob gets... Uh, um, yeah, has this guy. Yeah, you know, whatever. He just has this guy. <laughs> calls him his son. <laughs> uh, so, so <laughs> Jacob. I, Isaac, Isaac has Jacob. And, and Jacob gets into a wrestling match with God. Right. And He's, he has his name changed. Uh-huh. And his name is changed to Israel. Yeah, which means wrestles with God. Which means wrestles with God, but it's also built on the same root for uh, prince, nobility. And Sarah's name is... Princess. It's the same letters. Jacob's name gets changed, so it's, he's actually named after his grandmother. That's interesting. I hadn't realized that. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and God's the one who does that. Yes. And so, and so, so yeah, God's saying, yeah, your your grandma was actually just as important as your father, well, and, in a and, way. Well, you know, because here's this woman who's been drug all over the the Middle East, mm-hmm. and the whole time, Abraham's been pawning her off to whoever's going to take her off his hands. She she's having to put up with another woman in their marriage, which was her idea, by which the way. Which is her idea. But Abraham should put his foot down. Yeah, he yeah. And and she's just kind of existing on the fringes. But you know, she never got up. She never ran away of her own accord. She never left him. She she was still there when when the angels arrived and they wanted to be fed or Abraham wanted to feed them. She was there on hand, and yeah, she was laughing about what they said, but she was still building the meal. Right. And, and so there there was this element of faithfulness in Sarah that I think gets overlooked but god didn't forget it i think that's encouraging no that that is yeah <laughs> that's so cool i the name thing i didn't realize that's pretty awesome yeah it, it it's it, i those are the those are the fun parts of the bible to me uh so okay so i'm, I'm gonna try to go through this part pretty pretty quickly because um again we could get lost in this forever uh so now in chapter 24, and this is the betrothal of Isaac, and this is when we, Isaac shows back up, and Abraham calls his servant, which this whole chapter is about a servant's actions. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is... Is the servant named? In this chapter, he's not, and that's important. Okay. Because if we go back to, I think it's chapter 15, we know that his name is Eleazar. So we, we do have a name, um, and Abraham calls him and says, hey, uh, I don't want my son to marry any of these Canaanite women, so you need to go back and, and back to the, uh, my homeland where he had left behind his brothers, uh, ch- end of chapter 11, uh, when Abraham leaves Terah and his brothers to continue on to Canaan. Mm-hmm. He said, I need you to go back there, and I need you to pick out a wife for my son. and." Uh, the servant, do you want to go with this? <laughs> no, I just, it's, this is just to me, let's see. And again, this is my Western 21st century perspective on life. That just seems like a weird thing to do. I, it's like, you know, it's like, like my boss, you know, and like, hey, my kid needs a spouse. Can you drive to the next town and find one? Like, I did just, that would that would be so weird. Um, I it just it doesn't to me doesn't compute. And that's again reminding us the Bible was not written in our our timeline. 
or, or our, our, was in our timeline, but not in our, not in our culture. So yeah, sorry. That's all I was thinking. Was just yeah, like, that's bizarre. Well, and I think if you don't say it's bizarre, then you aren't, you aren't allowing yourself to kind of enter into the text and be a part of it. Sure. And so then we have this really odd ceremony with, with Abraham and Eleazar and Eleazar, Abraham says, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me, which is kind of euphemistic. Okay. Well, do we want to go to the etymology yeah. of this? Okay. So you, okay. So this is actually something ancient cultures would do. Um, and it's not put your hand under my thigh. It's grab hold of my testicles, uh, which is not something you say to many people in our time, thankfully. But, <laughs> but you would, you would grab each other. Um, and then you would swear an oath. And basically, Whenever you swear an oath on something, it's saying, if I don't hold up my end of it, it's going away. And so basically, you're saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to castrate you. And so that's actually, this is, uh, it it was so common in ancient practice, that's why um, we get our word testify, is because even in the Roman courts, you would still, you would actually put your hand on your own testicles. And swear an oath on your own testicle saying that, you know, if, if I don't, if I'm not telling the truth, you get to castrate me. So when we say testify, that's a pretty serious, the, the root of that word's pretty serious. And, uh, so. Perks and benefits of being a woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's actually why some cultures, women could not testify. You lack the proper anatomy that's to like, be able. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> was it, was it? Was it Bill Inkfall or Jeff Foxworthy, one of them? It was it has it was talking about watching TV with his wife. And he goes, he goes, I hate whenever like drug commercials or, you know, come on TV because they start listing symptoms and my wife's like, Oh, I think I might have that. And he goes, because I had to set her down one night and go, Honey, you do not have testicular cancer. <laughs> you don't even have testiculars. So um, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay, so, so back to Abraham. So, but that's that's if you were ever curious about the verse, that's where that comes from. Uh, and I think I first came across that in the book called Abraham by author I, who I can't think of. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Sounds good. So, but what's interesting here with with the um, I've got to quit prefacing things with what's interesting. It's all interesting. It's all interesting. But. So. Um, Take note. When we'll get you a list of synonyms. <laughs> I've got a thesaurus. Uh, so yeah, the um, when Abraham's talking to the servant, if you look at his words, he's actually using the words of Melchizedek, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, the Creator of heaven and earth. Um, and so this is showing Abraham not only uh, he he has come so far since the days of. Pharaoh and Abimelech and all of that, he is now, he's in line with what God is doing. And he's even using the right words to describe this God. Mm-hmm. And so we, we see this shift. And now that Abraham's made the shift, but we're getting ready to start another shift. And we're going to go from the previous generation to the next generation. And Eleazar is going to facilitate the entire thing. So he gets to... um Laban's home, which is where uh, Rebecca is Laban's sister, and uh, Laban's going to be very important uh, in Jacob's story. 
And he basically, Eleazar tells God, hey, if I ask a girl to give me a drink and she gives me a drink and then she offers to, to give my camels a drink, then I'll know she's the one. So he, he asked for a sign. And what's funny about this, I think it's really funny that he describes the sign that he wants. God doesn't say, here's your sign. Didn't mean that one. <laughs> I wasn't doing the billing ball thing. But no, he doesn't say, here's the sign to look for. He says, God, I want a sign and I want it to look like this. And if that happens, I know I found the right woman. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah. But, but no, I, I, I do think that's funny. And that's kind of like... Uh, who was it? I was talking to someone, probably you. Um, <laughs> Go figure. I mean, we're friends. You're the only friend I have. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I was talking to, to someone about uh, the Old Testament prophets, and they were talking about, um, it's funny how most of them would pray to God, God would say what to say, and then they would go deliver the message, mm-hmm. except for Elijah, who would say, this is going to happen. And then go pray to God and be like, hey, God, you hey got God. my back. So uh, <laughs> when I was talking to Ahab, I, I mentioned <laughs> you're going to stop the rain. So I need you to put that on your on your list. Uh, you know, buy bread, milk, stop rain. You know, <laughs> yeah, he, he should cover me on this one. <laughs> so so no, I, I always think it's funny whenever you have someone reversing that order or 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 telling God, like, I need this to happen. So that I know you're with me. Or so that other people will know that you're with me. Right. And we definitely see that with Gideon again. Mm -hmm. And and I think that, you know, if we we broke it down and we started doing some digging, which I did not take the time to do. Right. We could probably find actually some some significance in the signs that they they did request as some kind of uh, cultural precedence. Mm -hmm. That's speculation. But I'm all I'm almost certain it's there. Well, it. I mean, it just kind of goes in with so much of of the Middle Eastern culture and so much of the Bible, their practices are about hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so, if you go, which is kind of funny to me because it's almost like, well, she would almost be expected to do that based on the culture. So it's kind of like, yes and no because there's also the part where you get the strange man talking to a woman. Oh, that's fair. And so, and then the idea of water for camels, that's a huge undertaking. Did it say how many camels? Uh, I want to say it was 10. How long did it take him to get there too? Because, you know, camels can go for days after without water. So it's like, when's the last time you watered these things? (laughs) You don't return the camel empty. Last person (laughs) to use the camel needs to fill it up. Yeah, I, 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 I've not seen um, a number right off. It's not important. But, well, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just curious, cause, like, how much water would have to be? Because, yeah. How much water would a water? Okay, how no. much water? Okay, let's move on. Let's yeah. not get stuck on that. So, <laughs> sorry. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so he, he she does, uh, she waters the camel. He gives her gifts. They go back to the house. Uh, is her brother, who had a legal right to negotiate uh, all of this, uh, negotiates for uh, a bride price. And actually, they don't really negotiate because what Eleazar is promising is sufficient to impress Laban, which once we find out some things about Laban, we realize that's pretty impressive because he's a swindler. 
Right. And he's willing to take advantage of things. And he doesn't seem too malicious in this episode, but it's later that we find out that he's. Yeah. And, you know, and in, in looking back, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I think it's a great thing nowadays that you can't sell your sister. Um, <laughs> it's probably very good. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, growing up, I probably would have traded you off for some really nice Legos or something. And I'm glad you're around. Just want to let you know that. Now that now that I'm older, that means so much to me. <laughs> I mean, like you know, when when I was younger, like, <laughs> I, oh wow, <laughs> Legos! Terrible negotiating skills as a child. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, oh, I was wow. trying to think. I was trying to think of something I really liked when I was a kid. You know, I was just trying to. Sorry. And Legos and comic books. Le- Legos and yeah, Legos and the uh, you know, <laughs> the subscription to X Men or something. Tinker Toys. Um. Anyway, now that I know what I would the have la- been the worth. latest Nintendo. Um, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have thought it'd been worth that much. Anyway, so um, I would have probably at least ask. Yeah. So. Laban negotiates. Values, my values have improved and changed. Sorry. I'm... So they make the agreement. They're like, this is cool. We're going to marry you off. And uh, the, the, the mother actually asked, I believe it's the mother, um, said, you know, let her stay. Her mother and her brother says, let, let her stay at least 10 days. And Eliezer is like, you know, I, I don't have time for this. You, you got to get out of my way. I'm taking her home now. Mm-hmm. And they and so they ask her, and this is very important. They uh, said, "Let's go get her, and ask her if she'll go with you." Right. Okay. The reason why this is important because one of the big hits against Christianity is the law in Deuteronomy. I've got it written down here. Oh, are we going to talk about that already? We, we yes. have to. Yes. 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 Go ahead. Deuteronomy twenty-two, uh, twenty-eight verses twenty-eight through twenty-nine, and. This is the requirement that if a man rapes a woman, that he has to marry the woman he raped. Mm-hmm. And there's so much flack. Oh my goodness, how could you worship a God that would require a woman to marry her rapist? If you were listening really close, you heard that I just reversed that. The law right. requires the person who does the raping to marry the one who was raped. Not that the person who was raped has to marry the one who raped them. This is diff- this is this is a huge distinction, right? Because in Jewish culture, men didn't get a choice. Notice what's happening. Abraham sent Eleazar out to yeah. get a bride. Yeah, Isaac didn't get a choice. No say in it. He's like, son, it's time you got a wife, and here she is. <laughs> Cut your hair, get a real job. This is like dad in our cars. Here's the vehicle I bought for you. Yep. Uh, and I spent your money. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the Isaac didn't get a choice. The men didn't get a choice. The women could refuse any potential husband. Mm-hmm. And this applied also to women who had been raped. And it's based on this passage right here that Rebecca could have refused to go with Eleazar. Mm-hmm. The brother could not have forced her to, to do this. Even her father could not have forced her. So they, um, in, in this passage, what I think is, this is the, the passage about in Deuteronomy about the rape. What's so brilliant, and, and this is the kind of thing that God does, and we go, oh, it sounds horrible, but if we know the whole story, mm-hmm. then it's like, 
oh yeah, we're, we've been idiots. So basically the woman has the right of refusal. She can say, hey, I, I will marry him. Right. And if she does marry him, she doesn't have to agree to live with him. Right. She can live wherever she wants, but he has to make sure she can live in a standard that's in keeping with his position in the society. Mm-hmm. And she, she would receive like what's called the first, because because the thing is, he could have taken another wife, according to the law, uh-huh. after her, although who would want to marry? I mean, that's right. a whole other topic. But she would still always have first wife status, which meant she got taken care of before any of his other wives. Actually, he couldn't take another wife unless she okayed it. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. As a first wife, you had to be able to, you had to be okay with it. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't, but yeah. I guess and and so what's this mean? It means, okay, he's working the rest of his life to support this chick that he may never touch or see again. Mm-hmm. And this would have been enforced by the village elders. Yep. Also means that if she didn't get pregnant when he raped her, he could never have an heir. What's the worst thing that can happen to a Jewish male? You lose your... Lose your uh, progeny. Yeah. yeah. You don't have an heir, so you don't, your name is forgotten. And then on the land that at this point was being given, when this law was written, at, at that point they were being given the land. It was divided according to allotment. There's nobody to inherit your land. So your land has to go to another family. Oh, wow. So you're cut off. And this is... So basically you lose everything. You lose your future. Your yeah. entire future is is gone. And so this is the reason why... Other than uh, David and David's son, Amnon, there is, this law is never enforced. This law is never had, I mean, it's never has to be enforced. Rape is never prosecuted in ancient Israel. There's no, there's no record of it. Right. And so now David and Amnon should have been, and then of course there's a series, uh, episode in Judges where that gets, <laughs> I mean, that gets way out there. That gets way out there. And so there was no chance for the law to even be applied in that. So the fact that this law was like a major deterrent. And women who are rape victims today, think about is locking a guy up for seven to 15 years. Is that better than taking his entire future? And, you know, getting a check every month? Yeah, uh, from you know, someone you never have to see. From someone you never have to see. Yeah, and we're, and we're not and we're not saying. I don't want this to be taken out of context. We're not saying that getting paid off for it makes it any better. Right. It's still an egregious thing, and and no one is condoning it. Right. So that's but is it, that's where that's. I want to make that clear because absolutely. I don't. I don't want to get letters <laughs> saying, right. "Oh, they said you could just." Rape and pay for it, because that's not what we're saying. No, because this this was an all encompassing uh, punishment. This was this was not something that was limited. It it was a. I mean, basically, you were choosing a lifetime sentence mm-hmm. at this point. And, and the reason why I want to go over that, and I, I always, you know, anytime somebody talks about something that lends itself to discussing this, I always bring it up because it's such a huge criticism of the Bible. And it shouldn't be. Right. It, we should be like, why aren't we doing something comparable? Why aren't we holding men to a standard that you will spend the rest of your life paying for this act? Because it affects the victim's life for the rest of their life. Right. Well, so, and that's actually in uh, Proverbs. There mm-hmm. is, you know, and, you know, talk about purity culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, going to the true love weights rallies, one of the things they always talked about that verse, um, don't basically don't sleep with another man, not another man's wife, because huh. when you, when you're old and do you have it? No, go ahead. Um, where, you know, it's talking about don't sleep with another man's wife, because when your body is old and used up, um, you'll, you'll curse your, your poor judgment. Uh, I think it's basically <laughs> that's, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the verse. I wasn't right. planning on talking about it, but, uh, one of the things that by the time Proverbs was written, it was instead of just being put to death, there was, there was an option. You could basically have the option to pay the person back, Mm -hmm. um, pay restitution for sleeping with that person's wife. But the price could be whatever was (laughs) demanded. And so whenever we're, whenever we were at the true love weights rallies and things like that growing up, uh, there was, there, they would always talk about, Oh, when you're, when your body's broken and used up, they would always say, oh, well, you know, that's talking about you're going to get STDs. And right. I'm like, and as I was researching this, I'm like, that's not what was on the radar there. What was on the radar was you were in debtor's prison working until you like trying to pay off your mistake for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's about. Um, and that's wisdom literature geared towards the, the culture of, of Israel. Well, it, it's interesting that you, you bring that up because actually most of the laws, okay, number one, since we're, we're, we're there, like the eye for the eye, hand for a hand, mm-hmm. you know, all of this, um, it, it's limiting. Right. It's a, it, for, that's the first thing you need to know. Because used to, in these cultures, if you know, warring tribes, think warring tribal cu- culture, if somebody gouged your eye out, then you would go back to their place and kill their entire family. Mm-hmm. And then this this law is saying no, you can only go this far. You can't go any further. Right. And the thing was, this was not how the law was applied, though. But the the application was, this should happen. Right. Well, <laughs> it, the application was, how much is an eye worth? And so the 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 city elders would get together and they would say, okay, here's a financial compensation. Mm-hmm. We do that today. Right. This this was not something that was practiced in any other culture at that time, really. It, 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 there was some of it, but to really see it consistently applied was in Judaism. Right. Well, and, and I actually, uh, and you know, we get, of course, the criticism. Sorry, we're on, we're on a, <laughs> we're on Levitical law criticism. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't remember if this one's in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, Leviticus, but talking about your, your child, talking about if you have a child who won't listen to you, a rebellious child, you should take him before the elders and have him stoned. Okay. And people are like, oh, let's say, and you can, you can kill your kid, you can stone your child for, for back talking you. And, but look, but if you look at it after that, it says you take him before the elders and say, he's a glutton and a drunkard. We're not talking about a five-year-old who won't eat his mashed potatoes. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any drunken five-year-olds. Um, and, and yeah, sure. We're all a little lazy when we're five and, and yeah, we're all a little, you know, we talk back a little, but that's not what that verse was talking about. Fifteen popsicles does not count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not we're not talking about just just a child having a bad day or he's grumpy and mouthed off to you because he didn't want to take a nap. We're talking about someone who is obviously not going to take care of the family estate, who doesn't care about being a functioning part of society, and also there's rabbinic commentary that that's just to talk about how bad it is to be rebellious and not want to support the culture, and that there's not actually a record of that ever being enforced. Yeah, 
And, so. and so, yeah, this is this is the thing. A lot of these these laws were put in guidelines to help people understand. So, uh, but well, you know, getting back to to Rebecca, when when they do ask her this, and of course she says she will go, and um, her family blesses Rebecca, and I think this is very interesting. She, they said, "Oh, sister, may you grow into thousands of myriads. May your offspring seize the gates of their foes." Okay, so this is a very interesting. I know where you're going. Keep going. Sorry. Very interesting um, blessing to give a woman, number one. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to uh, Genesis 22, verse 17, I will bestow my blessing upon you, make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea, and your descendants shall seize the gates of their foe. Now, question. Was this like any kind this is there any record of this being any kind of standard blessing for the culture? No. Not a one. No. Okay. So, okay. See, we got two things going on. First, we'll go with the obvious. Rebecca is in some ways very much a mirror of Abraham. Right. And she's kind I mean, God tells Abraham to go, Abraham goes. God, you know, the the servant comes and gets Rebecca. She um uh, she goes. I mean, there, there's no. There's no hesitation. Right. Uh, the blessing of having a multitude of children and growing into these nations, very much something uh, for both of them. We see this. Uh, then again, to seize the gates of your foes. I, yeah. <laughs> Is that where you're going? <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah. We've got. To, we've got time. Well, okay. we might go a little long, but let's squeeze that in okay. real quick. Okay. So. Um, where should we jump off on that? Okay, so let, let's just go in. Let's just, are you talking about Jesus and uh-huh. Peter? Okay, so let's just jump in. We all, most of us know the story. Where is it located? Give us a reference. I'm going to find it. You continue. So oh. I'm going to, uh, Emily's going to find the reference. We'll put it in the show notes too. But we all know the story of Peter, uh, you know, Jesus asking the disciples, who do you say I am? Peter answers correctly and gets a prize, which is a new name. <laughs> or he was Simon, you know, he gets a, and you know, mm-hmm. correct. Correct. Uh, I, sorry, that was funny to me. Answers correctly, gets a new name, uh, and then Jesus says, "And on this rock I will build my church." And so Jesus, of course, is doing the play on words thing. And you know, of course, the Catholics think that means that Peter's the new pope. The Protestants say, "No, that's the." Uh, and basically, I'm just parroting Heiser's work here. Uh, and thanks, Doc. And I apologize at the same time. Uh, but I will cite you. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Protestants want to say that, no, it's the truth of, of who Christ is that Jesus is saying that that's mm-hmm. what he's going to build the church on. But the place where they're at, Caesarea, is Caesarea Philippi, yes. is, I had no idea we were going there. I love this story. Uh, <laughs> so Caesarea Philippi is, is the place they're at. Well, that area had so many pagan temples that they, called it the gates of hell. And what does Jesus say after I will build my church on this rock? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so there Jesus is saying, this is considered the most evil place on earth right now. And I'm starting my ministry, I'm starting my church here. A church that's going to be so strong that it can be in the most evil part of the world and flourish. And so that to me is amazing. And you tie it back to that prophecy, it gets even more amazing 
But and I'm gonna go. On, I'm gonna quick aside. I'm. I'm looking at the clock. Okay, quick aside. So Jesus, Jesus is saying, in the midst of evil, you're gonna flourish. The gate, no matter what the world outside does, it can't. It can't overtake the church. Yeah. And so, of course, gates also. You know, they don't move. You know, so the church is supposed to be on the offense. But that's one of the things that one of my pet peeves is when Christians talk about how the church is suffering because the world is evil. <laughs> it's like, this is not something new. I'm sorry. Whatever goes on in culture, whatever goes on outside the church, let, the, let them do what they do. Love them. Share Christ. Try to, you know, show them the way to salvation. But don't blame the church. Don't blame the world. Don't blame how bad the world is getting for the, any bad behavior in the church. That's in the church. And no matter what the world does outside, we, we, can, we can still prosper. We're not going to be stopped because of what our neighbors do. So, I'm sorry, that's my pet peeve. That's my... <laughs> um, are you looking for the verse? I'm looking, you know, and the thing is... You got uh, a phone, Google it. So it's not in here <laughs> or else I would have had it. I, and you know, there's only like four gospels and I so, found, uh, <laughs> go ahead. But, and, and that's, that's the beautiful thing that, that this plan of salvation, God's destiny for not just Abraham, but for all of humanity, it begins with Abraham and it goes all the way back to millennia before Christ. And God takes these crazy things called human beings and manages to, to create this this tapestry of that of faith and I, it, it's it blows me away yeah i'm sorry matthew 16 15 through 20 that's okay where you so find that i i left it so yeah in, in that place if you study caesarea philippi oh my goodness that was like the longest continuously used temple in that area and it was always to like gods like pan and the ones that have come kind of become synonymous with satan in our christian literature mm-hmm. Uh, as far as form and all of that, so it's very uh, it's very telling because uh, it's also believed that 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 mountain has another name, and it's Mount Hermon. Right. And Hermon uh, in the Book of Enoch is where God takes the angels who came down to have sex with the daughters of women. He he puts these angels under this mountain, mm-hmm. and they're going to remain imprisoned there until the final days, and then they'll be released. And so this is Jesus like taking the fight to them. Right. It's, and I think that, oh my goodness, you know, (laughs) that, that's just amazing. So, um, that, that's pretty cool. Okay. But we still have some more stuff within the story itself. And, uh, if you want to hear more about that, uh, reversing Hermon, uh, by Heiser. Yeah. Dr. Michael Heiser. Yeah. Fantastic resource obviously in the show notes we'll have the links so rebecca he she's using the same when she talks she uses the same language as abraham and she is very much in his she's just she seems to fit very well Mm. and uh isaac um when he sees them sees uh eliezer returning with rebecca She's on the camels, which, by the way, I don't know if I said this before, but camels were strictly used to transport women at this point. Okay. Only women rode camels. So whenever there's a camel present, there's a woman along somewhere. And um, 
you know, talk about honor when you consider the distance that they were they were traveling. Yeah. That so, uh, he sees her. She gets down. She veils herself. Uh, they run out and they meet each other. And then he takes her back to Sarah's tent, and she is a comfort to him after his mother dies. Now here's the the little fun part. Through all of this stuff, where Eleazar has made this trip, he's done the negotiations. He's brought her back. He's never named. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the Old Testament, when you know, we've got, we talked about this being a type, the binding of Isaac was a type. Isaac being Jesus, Abraham standing in for God. Where's the Holy Spirit? So Eleazar actually becomes the type of the Holy Spirit, uh, and anytime the Holy Spirit shows up in the Old Testament like this. It is an unnamed servant. It's an unnamed person who offers help or facilitates something, but they are not named. And so it's interesting that we have Eleazar's name previously, mm-hmm. but not here. And if you look up the name, what Eleazar means in Hebrew is comforter. Interesting. So when do we, you know, Isaac comes back into the story? When the Holy Spirit delivers a bride to him. When's Jesus going to come back? That's, that is very cool. So it all flows very together. Cool. This, this is the story of the Bible has been building. Yeah. And, and you, you just saw two great examples. Yeah. I mean, with the Holy Spirit and with tapestry. the... Yeah. So. But you only get this if you know the stories and, and you are willing to focus and actually become familiar with the text. So yep. anyhow... Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, it's a good place to wrap up. Sorry we went a little long this week. Um, we we just went on a lot of tangents and had so much so much material to cover anyway, and it was a lot of fun for me. Hopefully it was fun for you guys. Um, if you did like it, you know, hit subscribe, comment, give us a rating, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you didn't like it, don't do the thumb. If you did like it, don't do thumbs down, but do the <laughs> thumbs up if you did like it. If you didn't like it, then, you know. Ignore us. <laughs> just move along. Nothing to see here. Um, so, uh, yes, thank you so much. Uh, again, hit us up on social media, Raven Creek SC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, hit us up at the website, ravencreek.com slash no ravencreeksc.com, uh, slash faith and other oddities. We'll get you to where you can find show notes, um, links to links to resources, resources. things like that. If you really, really liked us, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. I know you want to hear every one of those places. <laughs> um, but yeah, hit us up there. We've got some, uh, some great rewards and probably some more coming. And, and you can hear us on iTunes if you want to listen to a podcast. Oh, yeah. Hear us on iTunes. Uh, yeah, if, yeah if, if you're used to doing this on YouTube and you want to go mobile, uh, hit us up on iTunes and you can listen to us on the go so you don't have to be just attached to the computer. You, yeah. can, also, you can also find us now on Stitcher and Google Play. So yeah. we're, and we're out there. If you're used to just listening to us but want to see our smiling faces, find us on YouTube. Yep. You can see uh, what we look like. <laughs> so, <laughs> For better or worse. Anyway, thanks again. Everyone have a great week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.